0: All right, open your Bible with me, please, to Ephesians chapter one. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We bless you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, understanding heart, in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed by saying, "Amen." Yeah, there we go. Hallelujah. Well, we got an old friend here tonight. Actually, a couple of old friends. Jay Sherrill and his mom. Thanks for coming. Good to see you, brother. Hallelujah. When you call Charlie, tell her hello. (laughs) Good, I figured she had a word for us. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been having fun. Now, this is number three in this installment of four installments. And what we're attempting to do in teaching the nine sonship gifts, you know, there's Nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, nine fruit of the Holy Spirit, and there's nine sonship gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the purpose, I mean, everybody knows the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you've read First Corinthians, tells you what they are right there. And the fruit of the Spirit, we know the purpose of that. Make us like Jesus. What in the world is the purpose? Most people don't know. There are nine sonship gifts. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of the sonship gifts, number one purpose, enable you to develop the same relationship with Father God that Jesus had. Mm -hmm. Full-blown family. Mm -hmm. Son and daughter of God himself. And we only got one serial killer in scripture that we know for sure is identified as such. Saul of Tarsus. He's the one that got the revelation of this. And his testimony in scripture for a serial killer is stunning. It's, it's stunning. Uh, second Corinthians, I uh, Sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is his testimony, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. I mean, it is a word right out of his mouth. And when you know where he came from, when you read the book of Revelation, when you read the book of Acts, when you know that he is responsible for killing Stephen, when you know that he's breathing threats and murder against the church in Acts chapter 9, he's still killing people in the church. Stephen is in Acts 7 and then 8 and 9, and he's still on the killing spree. So you got a three chapter serial killer. God only knows how many people he put in the grave. Listen to his testimony 2 Timothy 1 3. I thank God. 2 Timothy. Last book he wrote before Nero put him to death. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Amnesia, Alzheimer's. Do you forget Stephen and all the others? Do you forget all the innocent blood you shed? No, he didn't forget it. It was eradicated by the blood of Jesus. He walked through those nine sonship gifts. God put his thumbprint on his forehead nine different times to deliver him from his own sin depravity and the devastation and destruction that he wrought on the church in Ephesians is his testimony now when you go read the, the same guy who wrote second timothy wrote first and second corinthians and when you go to first corinthians chapter 4 Verse 4, here's his testimony. I know nothing against myself. (laughs) I've lived before God in all good conscience until this day. (laughs) Really. Man, what are you smoking? They must have had a unique strain of marijuana in those days. Erased your memory. (laughs) No, that wasn't it. All they had was the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus. God gave Paul a revelation of the fullness of Christ's sacrifice for you and I. And then it manifests itself in nine different ways. And the fruit of it, all, the fruit of it, is that you and I can have a clear conscience before God. It eradicates blame, shame, and guilt. That spiritual BS on steroids. Blame, shame, guilt. It eradicates it, destroys it. It cannot exist, it cannot live in your life if you accept the sonship gift. You end up with the same testimony as Paul. I have lived in all good conscience before God. Ah! I forgot one. The third one. Acts 23. He's standing before the number one lawyer in all of Israel. He's standing before the Sanhedrin. And he's standing before the high priest of all of Israel. And he's given his testimony. He's witnessing for Jesus. And he comes out with the same statement. The high priest can't take it because religion can't take this. So any church you go to where religion dominates, you will spend your life in guilt, shame, or blame. And you'll never be delivered from it until you get in a place where Phariseeism and religion is under your feet by the Holy Spirit. And that is the only way I know you can do that, by the Holy Spirit. Here it is, 23.3. Then Paul, uh, whoops, sorry, Uh Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. (laughs) What? I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Man, either you just denied your past, or you've got a revelation of something that the church needs to get right now. How did the high priest of Israel, the number one in the Sanhedrin, the ruler of the Sanhedrin, Ananias, high priest, how does he react to that statement? And the high priest, verse 2, Ananias commanded those who stood by, strike him on the mouth, lying snake, I added lying snake. obvious in the context as what the high priest is thinking nobody can say that nobody who lives by the law can say that everyone who lives by the spirit should be able to say that because that's the truth of the reality of the holy spirit that was bought and paid for by the blood of christ so what's the goal of teaching these nine sonship gifts? Is 1 John chapter 3. So we transition from Paul to John. Now, you know, that's exactly what the church of Ephesus had to do. They had to transition from the apostle Paul, who founded them, to the apostle John, who took over after he died. And by the way, John... Brought Mary, the mother of Jesus, with him to Ephesus. Because Jesus, when he was on the cross, charged him with responsibility, take care of mom. Golly. See, you know what? God's asking us to make the same transition that the church in Ephesus had to make. Guys? We need a shift. We need a shift in our thinking. Wow. Listen to First John 3. This is the kind of shift we're looking for. This is the fruit of what we are talking about right here in this process. Beginning in verse 18, my little children, first John three eighteen. let us not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure, persuade our heart before him. If our heart does not condemn us, God is greater than our heart, knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Translation, you give me any promise in this scripture and my heart will birth it. Because there is nothing in my heart that convicts me toward God. My conscience is clear. And I'm the serial murderer of scripture. Now, what condition is your conscience in? Well, that depends ...on what you're doing with that voice that shows up to condemn you. You know, there is a chapter in the book of Revelation that sort of identifies this process. It's called Revelation chapter 12. Verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet and her head... ...and a garland of twelve stars... Then, being with child, she cried out in labor, and in pain gave birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled in the wilderness, and she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her 1,260 days, three and a half years. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven anymore." So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength of the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For thee, verse 10, accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Accuser, day and night. Non-stopping accusatory voice. I know nothing against myself. 1 Corinthians 4. I have lived in all good conscience until this day. Acts 23, verse 1. That's a serial killer's testimony who found the blood of Christ. Now, what's ours? Have you been listening to that voice? Have you been entertaining that voice? The accuser of the brethren who's been cast down? Church, come on. It is time to look at the sonship gifts of Ephesians chapter 1 and get them in here. It's time to sow them in here. That's the only way I get the fruit of 1 John chapter 3. My heart does not condemn me. My heart does not accuse me. Why does my heart not accuse me? Because my heart has been persuaded by the word of God out of Ephesians. And there's nine different scriptures that promise me no blame, no shame, no guilt. That's why we're teaching this. Because the day is rapidly coming when you and I are going to represent Christ at a different level than we have for the last 60 years. Eighty, hundred, two thousand. The day is coming where you and I are going to be his witnesses in the last days. And we're going to have to do what Moses did in the earth. You are my witnesses, Acts 1, 9. You are my witnesses, Isaiah 44, 8. You are my witnesses, Revelation chapter 11, 3 and 4. You know how that ought to be translated? Right now? And it's not your fault. It it belongs on the shoulders of my generation of preachers who stood in this pulpit and, and gave you an easy way out. And I'll tell you, you know how you can tell an easy way out? It really sells well. You can sell it. You can put a price on it and you can sell it back there. An easy way out, the reason why I can tell it's apostate, it promises an easy way out. Jesus never got an easy way out. None of the disciples who followed him, none of the apostles got an easy way out. And anybody who's trying to sell you an easy way out is selling you apostasy and making you pay for it. Think about it. Our foundation didn't do that, then why should we? Exactly. I know there's going to be a rapture, but I can guarantee you one thing: it won't be an easy way out. And anybody who's trying to sell it to you as an easy way out It's full of crap. Amen. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> the okay, or... I spent my whole life, you know, believing in the easy way out. Well, thinking, what, you know, God, the only safe way to do this, prepare to go all the way through and hope we get the easy way out. But at least we're prepared to go through, and then we're safe. But if you don't prepare to go through, you're not safe. There are a whole lot of testimonies out of Germany and out of Europe When the Nazis came in and you either deny Christ or you're done, 96 out of 100 denied, only four stayed. I will not be responsible for that in today's world. Not as long as I can hear God and speak the truth from a pulpit in Jesus' name. Your greatest days, your greatest glory is ahead, church. It's ahead. Man, do you realize that you can't kill the witnesses until they're done, until they're finished? Nobody can kill them until they're finished with their ministry. Nobody. Just like the apostles. Just like the apostles. Just like the prophets. They're so committed to the king to speak what the king says. Nobody can kill him till they finish their race. God, I want to qualify for that anointing. I want to walk in it. And I, I've already died twice and come back. I've been there. And God said, you aren't done. I want, I'm sending you back. I want you to tell the church what's ahead of them. That's why I'm back. That's why I came back twice. I wanted to stay. argued to stay. I need counseling. I have major rejection issues. I get kicked out of heaven twice. And there aren't many of of (laughs) us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The first church of the rejection. We tried to go to heaven, but we couldn't stay. (laughs) Ah, Hallelujah. Nine sonship gifts. Number 1, verse 4, Ephesians 1, 4, you were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth. Number 2, you are holy, declared so by Christ himself. He cannot take up his residence in us by the Holy Spirit if we aren't holy, because holiness is who God is. He even sanctifies the ground he occupies. Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground, because I'm here. He is holiness. He sanctifies everywhere he hangs out. He can't hang out with you and I if he didn't declare us holy. So that's number two. That's the second gift. Declaration by the blood. You are holy. You descend in front of the mirror and say, you know what? I'm chosen. I am holy. I am without blame. I am adopted. I have been made accepted. I mean, <laughs> you know, the very first church I taught this to, the pastor's wife, got obviously a tube of lipstick that she never intended to use and was thinking, well, let's see, I can throw this piece of crap away or I can utilize it somehow. So she wrote it on the mirror in the extra bathroom where I have to shave when I go stay there. So I am shaving between the nine sunship gifts, trying not to cut my nose off, in the middle of gold glitter, Lipstick. <laughs> God, are you me? Well, I'll say one thing. It's effective. I mean, it's up there. Nine of them. <laughs> one through nine from the top all the way down the bottom. I mean, it's hilarious. But you know what? She, did, she said, you know what? This is serious. I'm going to write this somewhere where we see it. I'm going to write it on the mirror where we brush our teeth. I'm gonna write it where I have to look at it every day. You know, it's like putting it on the refrigerator in a, a card or a piece of paper. I mean, every day you open a refrigerator. I mean, you see what's on there. You guys know that's how you utilize it. Important phone numbers, important facts. She put it on the mirror in the in a spare bedroom. It's right there. Golly, look at this. It's good. Forces you to look at it. Has made us accepted. That's the number five. Number six. Okay, we're on number six now. Tonight. Six, seven, five, six, seven. Has made us accepted. We talked about accepted last night. And who can believe number six? Because it's the Greek word e2o It's only used three times in Scripture. And the first time it appears in Luke 1, 18, by Gabriel. Gabriel says to Mary, Hello, congratulations, highly favored. Car E2O, accepted one. Congratulations, accepted one. Now, the, bum- the unbelievable thing about this, Mary, the mother of Christ, gets one Car E2O. You and I get two in Ephesians. Now, why in the world would God think you and I would need two when Mary only qualified for one? Maybe we're the double-portioned family of the last days who has to carry the firstborn status. Maybe we're going to have to face stuff Mary didn't have to. And God knew it, and so he put the double right in our face. Double. Now, the only other place you can go to look at what it means to be accepted, because it only appears three times. I mean, the, the normal rules for Bible interpretation, they just brick wall. You brick wall it, because it only appears three times. So you've got to go back to the Old Testament, and that takes you back to uh, Genesis chapter 4. We looked at that last night, but we did not go on and look at this part of it. So I've got to mention this part before I can go on. So I didn't get finished last night, because I got to preach on Apologize. Sorry about that. That happens occasionally. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived, bore Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, Abel. Now, Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat. Now, the only two hints at why one offering was better than another, is firstlings and fat. Firstlings and fat indicate that Abel brought the best, and Cain brought what was easily accessible. That's the only indication. Now, how does this speak to accepted? Because of verse 7. If you this is God talking to Cain, if you do well, will you not be? What does your Bible say? Genesis 4 7. Accepted. 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 All right. Now the first thing you need to understand is this. If you go to Genesis chapter 28, in the Old Testament, Now, this is not the new, this is the old, before we ever get to the blood of Christ. Before we ever get to the grace and mercy, before we ever get to the full measure of the sonship gifts, Genesis 28, acceptance under the law, acceptance under the Old Testament is only guaranteed by one thing. What's that? Your obedience to God in giving. Not to man. Can I make that distinction? This is not obedience to man that gets you accepted under the Old Covenant. This is obedience. This is a you and dad issue. So it looks like dad intended for his sons and daughters to learn his voice in giving. Because the first of five promises of the tithe as outlined in Jacob when he goes to sleep on a rock when he's running for his life verse 20 Genesis 28:20 20, Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me okay number 1 of the five promises uh, covenant promises of the tithe i will be with you i will keep i will protect you in the way that you're going i will provide bread To eat, I will provide clothing and shelter. And I will bring you back to your father's house. I will fulfill your destiny. All right, now there's your five covenant promises of the tithe. In the Old different? there's a whole lot different between the Old Testament and the New. The Old Testament's law. The New Testament's grace. Under the Old Testament, you're accepted when you're obedient and you're giving to the Spirit. Guaranteed covenant acceptance. What does that mean for us right now? Well, what it means for us right now, when you go to Deuteronomy 26, is that when you and I choose to serve God in that way, when we choose to do the very same thing that we're talking about here, and here it is, Deuteronomy 26, look at verse 2, 26:2, two, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. It didn't say go to the church where you attend. It says go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. Well, it's obviously chosen this place. That's why you're here. Oh, there's no difference in that. I know I'm, tr- I'm trying to sequentially unfold this, okay? Sequentially unfold it. We've taught the f- church a formula when the Bible teaches relationship. So you can give by formula or you can give by relationship. If you give by formula, you separate the voice, the relationship out of it. But if you give by relationship, you learn to hear his voice. Mm -hmm. Nothing you have is your own. Mm -hmm. So you develop relation, and you get to know the acceptance of the most. You get to know a crucial element of God, which is. His acceptance that enables you to enter the judicial realm of Christ. And if you don't get to know that acceptance, you will never have the faith to step out into the judicial realm of Christ. You'll never pray judgment on a company funding evil. You'll never transfer the oil from people who are funding evil over to people who aren't. I mean, you just won't enter into everything God has for you. If you don't have the faith to go there. You're not worthy because you, like a Pharisee, are walking in law instead of relationship. But when you walk in relationship, the boundaries move. (laughs) Full crap. The boundaries move. The spiritual boundaries are set by the Spirit. And if you've ever been in addiction, that'll shake your world. It'll shake your... What you demand when you've been in addiction, you demand immovable boundaries. But when you go to the Spirit, the boundaries can move. Oh, man. You talk about a test? It's a test of relationship. But I'll tell you what you learn. You learn not to judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye. You learn to judge from that place in relationship that has your name on it that Moses found. Right by God. Standing with God. And he's the one that gives you your judgment. He's the one that establishes your boundaries. It's scary as hell. Because the boundaries are movable. But you, tra- you t- transition from the law to the spirit. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Been there, I've been there for several years, still there, trying to get out, but losing my fingernails one day at a time, trying to climb my way out. But you know what? I I know where it ends. I, what I'm experiencing is a judgment of God in the process. See, what does this qualify you for? why why, why did the Lord say, "Go back and bring this out today"? Tonight, here's why. It's because you will never enter Romans chapter 12 and 13 in the dimension you're called to it until you walk this pattern out, till you establish this part of your relationship with the Most High. Now, these sonship gifts will help you do that. But let's one more time go through the transition between Romans 12 and Romans 13. Because Romans 12 and Romans 13 have something that we're all familiar with. Now, Romans 12, we're all familiar with this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourself. Okay, God says, look, I don't want you to go pulling the trigger on somebody. I don't want you to do that. Do not avenge yourself. But rather. Everybody say, but rather. but rather. Okay, but rather. Now, here's where the Greek takes you someplace where you're not sure you want to go. Didomi me, tapas. Create, Didomi me, active, arist, imperative, a command. This is not optional. When you have been wronged and you cannot go make it right, You cannot bring justice on that person's head. God said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to shift gears. I want you to tell me what the biblical justice is for this situation. What did my word promise you when somebody takes advantage of you like what you just experienced? When you get abused in shoes, when you get ripped off, what does my scripture promise you? Now lay that out for me. Create a path wrath I give you the job I am anointing you to be my garbage disposal system in the earth Mm -hmm. I am challenging you to pick up the garbage in your city and transport it to the landfill I'm calling you to be my garbage collector so if you got a politician who's shedding innocent blood, killing kids, destroying your land, you come before me, you can't go pull a trigger on the guy. I forbid you to do that. Stop right there. Not your job, my job. Ditto me tapos. Tell me chapter and verse Genesis chapter nine You shed man's blood by man, your blood shall be shed. There's a covenant avenger in the earth. First Thessalonians chapter 4, first eight verses. Jesus is that covenant avenger in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they paid a guy to do it. Paid him, anointed him, equipped him. Hit him Covenant avenger. It's in Deuteronomy. I didn't dream this stuff up. I'm just trying to save time by paraphrasing. Now, how would you like to know? God charged you with being a covenant avenger. God gave you a sheriff's badge. God gave you a police position. God put you in the army. God put you in the military. Where the hell's your weapon? Where's your napalm? Where's your gun? Chapter and verse is your gun. Ditto me, topos. Father, in the name of Jesus, tomorrow is an election. In Jesus' name. You know the politicians, Democrat and Republican, who have all chosen to champion the shedding of innocent blood. Now, in the name of Jesus, either turn them or shed their blood at their position. Cut them off. Throw them out of office. Throw them out in Jesus' name. Kick them out in the name of the Lord. Cut them off in Jesus' name. Angel of the Lord, I command you. You go and you cut them off. You destroy the votes for them. You cut off the finances of those who are supporting them. I declare in Jesus' name they cannot succeed. There will be death at the polls for them tomorrow in Jesus' name. Ditto me. Topos. Is that in here? It's right here. It's this verse. Now, guys, look how this goes. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather, dido me top us, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. The reason why you tell God what the Word says, because He's going to go to what the Word says if you present it to Him. You're the policeman in the situation. Tell Him what your Word says. Tell Him what you want done. So, Father, in Jesus' name, in the state of Texas tomorrow, yes. mm-hmm. cut off Beto and bless Ted. Yeah. Put him in office. His dad was a pastor. He's a godly man. He will not tolerate abortion. In Jesus' name, bless him. This is not a Democrat-Republican issue anymore. This is Christ Antichrist. We're done with Republican Democrat stuff. It's Christ, Antichrist. Yes. You're going to champion uh, homosexual marriage, Antichrist. You're going to champion Islam, Antichrist. Cut them off. Ditto me, top off. Now it doesn't stop here. What's your Bible saying? 13.1? Let every soul be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except from God. Exosia. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, if you are called to one of these authority positions, you have been appointed by God. Now, you tell me. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. What does it say? I have made you. Jesus, I have made you what? A king? Acts? Now, just follow the progression. It's the resurrection day. Jesus ascends. Fifty days later, he pours out his spirit. Peter stands up on that day. And proclaims, here's what's happened. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Kurios and Christos, judge of all the earth, savior of all the earth. He's now both. And you, my friend, are an authority The Father, that's where the Father declares the Son, King, Priest. You go to Revelation chapter 1. The Son now declares you and me, King, Priest. You are the representative of the kingdom of God in the earth. When there's a violation of kingdom will... It is your responsibility to blow the whistle and arrest it. Judge it, but I've been taught not to judge. Well that's what you get for thinking and not reading your Bible Sorry about that that was sort of in your face but God, I'm so fed up with that religious garbage. Don't judge, don't judge don't judge. how about you read first. Corinthians chapter 6. Are you going to tell me don't judge, don't judge, don't judge? When God said, do you not know that you will judge the angels? 1 Corinthians 6. And are you so timid that you refuse to judge the smallest things on earth? Church, grow up. Shift your gears. Accept your acceptance from the king and stand up as the judge you are. The church hasn't been making any garbage runs. We haven't been carrying the trash out. And it's building up. It's destroying the land. Because we are not carrying out the garbage. You don't even want to know how I learned that. (laughs) Your body has two systems that transport refuse out And you can't live if either one of them gets paralyzed. I had a surgery where my colon was removed. You talk about paralyzed? I had three different surgeries try to stop the bleeding. I had so much general anesthetic that my whole system went to sleep for a month and wouldn't wake up. Now, I'm in the hospital blowing gaskets. Waking up baptizing stuff you never want to be baptizing. And going, God, I thought you loved me. Why do you hate me? <laughs> what is this all about? Son, my church is my system for carrying out the garbage, and they've been paralyzed. My system to remove the garbage doesn't work, and now it's asleep in your life, and now you know. You can't live when it goes to sleep. No nation can live when what I have called to carry out the garbage doesn't work. The garbage will kill you. Lead you alive. God, it was a hard one to learn the truth. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time to reverse everything and Reconnect the J-pouch that they built. The other system went to sleep for 21 days. You want a humiliating experience as a guy? Have to go let the nurses teach you how to catheterize yourself because your system's asleep and it won't wake up. God. God. Why are you putting me through this, son? My system to remove the garbage, the church, is asleep. It's paralyzed. It's been stolen by false doctrine. They don't know who they are. I had to die twice sit back to get the truth. All right. So, <laughs> sorry. And sometimes when you have to go back and visit these places, you, you just endure the agony of it all over again. <clears throat> Whoa. So what I'm saying to you is this. God anointed us to carry out the garbage. And when we don't, it kills our nation. You cannot live if either one of those systems shuts down in your body. You can't live. Our nation can't live if we don't carry out the garbage. Amen. And you can't carry it out if you entertain the accusation, the blame, shame, and guilt. You have to have the freedom of acceptance. You have to know that your sin is covered. You have to know that you're free. There's no charge against you. You're the elect of the Most High. Can you judge? You better believe you can judge any day and twice on Sunday. because Not because of you. Not because of our righteousness. Because of the blood of the living Christ. And your judgment will save the land. So why do I pray against Abito? It's death and destruction to the state. He's death and destruction to the nation. Because he champions the three things that God hates. He champions the shedding of innocent blood in abortion. He champions homosexual marriage. He champions Islam above Christianity. Give me a break. Amen. I don't have any problem judging that. God in Jesus' name, meet him at the bowls, cut him off in the name of Jesus. Let death and destruction consume his campaign. Let us get up in the morning and, and tomorrow night find out that when election day is over, Ted Cruz has been elected in this state and in all the others where the very same contrast exists. Give us a wave. Visit this nation again. Repeat what you did two years ago. Give us another manifestation of your glory and intervention in this land. Why are these sonship gifts important? Because they enable you and I with a clear conscience to judge and to carry out the garbage. That's the only way we save this nation. Hallelujah. Now, i got two other things to say. Smile at somebody and say, we just finished accepted. You're accepted. Twice. Car E2O, Car E2O. You have been accepted twice. The very next thing, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, you are redeemed. Now, redeemed is ap and it means to pay the ransom for, or pay the penalty for the violation. You've been ticketed. You violated the law. God said, I'm paying your ticket. You're free at every level. You're free, your ticket's paid. It means to pay your ticket, to pay the fine. Jesus paid the fine and set us free. He redeemed every failure that you and I ever had. Alright, I got a few scriptures to go through. Alright, and so let's just rock it through them. Psalm 49. Go to Psalm 49. And we're gonna go back in the Old Testament and chase this all the way through from the Old to the New. Smile at somebody and say, you're redeemed. You're redeemed. That's it. You're redeemed. Every failure you ever had is redeemed. No blame, no shame, no guilt. All right. Now, if everything has been redeemed, what are you going to do when the accused of the brethren shows up? What are you going to say to him? Get the hell out of here. I'm not listening to you. I am done. You're lying. No. I will not hear it. In Jesus' name. I flat out refuse. I will not hear it. Period. All right. Psalm 49, verse 5. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother. You don't have enough money to pay their fines. You can't pay what's due. Nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. Hallelujah. Only God can pay that price. 111. Psalm 111 verse 6. 111. Psalm 111. Pick it up in verse 6. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nation. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent, here's our word, redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. Alright? God forever paid the penalty for every failure you and I ever made. And you're honoring demons when you choose to listen to that garbage against your own self. I want everybody to say this. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Because my sin is forgiven. All the violations are paid. We're free. Amen. And we are accepting nothing less. In Jesus' name. Psalm 130. 130 verses 7 and 8. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there's mercy. With him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquity. Not some, not part, all. A-L-L. Romans 3, 21 to 26. All right, now you transition into the new covenant. Okay, so now all the promises here are blood-bought, blood-based, and I mean eternal forever. Hallelujah. And man, Romans is full of them. Romans chapter three. The book of Romans, huge. what a work of art that book is. Romans chapter three, pick it up in verse twenty one. Romans three twenty one. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed, being witnesses by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, through the redemption, through the paying of the price that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by His blood through faith, through faith, it doesn't work if you don't receive it by faith. To demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now that is you and I. and Here we are, and that is eternally bought and paid for. Eight, Romans 8, verse 18. Romans say, oh boy, now it spreads out to the creation. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected him in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth things together until now, and not only they, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. God says, I'm gonna take you all the way through, and I'm even gonna redeem your body. I'm gonna give you a body that'll live forever. It'll be conformed to your spirit just like your current one is. So when you die and go to heaven, you'll recognize people because their body looks like their spirit. No change. It's just an eternal body. You know, not know people in heaven? You better believe it. Absolutely. You will. <laughs> oh, shoot. Ah. Uh... There are going to be some glorious reunions, and there are going to be some not so glorious reunions. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're going to get the chip gifts, get them now. Get them right here. Get them here, get them now, so that none of the sin gets sent ahead. It's all dealt with here, right here, right now. Oh, yeah. That verse is in Peter. Some men's sins go ahead. Some men's leg behind. Oh, no. No. As long as you walk in the Spirit, you deal with them now. They all get dealt with here. That will not be an issue for you. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, we, we got redemption in verse 1, but we also got it in Ephesians 4. And it's in Ephesians 4 and verse 30. So in Ephesians 4, verse 30, here's what it says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The reason why you walk with the Spirit is the Spirit guarantees, as you and I yield to Him, when it comes time for us to transition into heaven, all of our stuff has been dealt with here. So everything we're headed into is an awards banquet. It's all positive Mm -hmm. because all the stuff was dealt with right here. Mm -hmm. That's the job of the Spirit. And when you yield to the Spirit, that's the reward. You can look forward to going to heaven. You can look forward to standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? All the stuff's been dealt with here. You have any idea what kind of boldness you get when there's nothing condemning you in your conscience? Oh man! Oh, I mean, you can hardly wait to go into confrontations with certain people, Senator Schumer. I have a word for you, Representative Pelosi. I have one for her. <laughs> you ranch rat. I got a word for you. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> oh God almighty. There is nothing like living your life in the confidence of the Spirit when you know nothing against yourself. That's where perfect faith operates. Perfect faith. Church, God ordained that for us. He has that for us. He's offering that. That's on the table. That's His offering. That's the fruit of what we're doing here. You are coming into a place where anything that God highlights in this book, your spirit will germinate because there's nothing against you in your conscience. Man, you don't know freedom until you walk in. So what we're doing right now, God is giving us a magic eraser. It erases everything that was ever against us. Totally erases it. Never to be seen. Never to be heard from again. Oh, man. Our greatest days are ahead. Our most fruitful season is ahead. Your season of boldness. Your season of bringing the fear of God. Your season of standing up for Christ are ahead. There's nothing like it. You are my witnesses. Acts 1-9, mm-hmm. Isaiah 44-8. Your kids, your grandkids are my witnesses. Mm-hmm. I'll bring them into this. You pray Isaiah 44-1-8. through Watch what I do with them. I'll bring them in. I'll put them in their place. I will outfit them. I will treat them. I will, I will bring them into fullness. Hallelujah. Finally, last scripture, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. So go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9. Holy cow. Church. Golly. God is about to to uh, uh, walk us into the most exciting season we have ever known, ever existed, we're going, to, we're going to walk through the power of revelation. We're going to walk through the witnesses. We're going to walk through this confrontation. I mean, it's going to be like reliving uh, what Moses faced in Egypt. We're going to relive what Elijah had to face with the prophets of Baal. We're going to relive uh, Zechariah and Zephaniah and, and what some of the prophets saw. We're going to relive where Joshua had to go and what he had to contend with. And we're going to do it on a new covenant based on better promises. That foundation says, I will give you double. I will give you double of what Moses walked in. And you think about what that means. What do you be like if you catch a double of what Moses walked in? you were my mom or dad I would knock gently on the door very gently and I'd make sure I honored you and the father put all judgment in the hands of the son so that all would honor the son as they honor the father that the son puts on us ditto me tapas. that's your job you're the sheriff now. And you exist to terrorize evil. Romans thirteen four. That's your job. Terrorize evil. How are you doing at terrorizing evil? Kind of ways to go. Where's it start? Sonship gifts? Clear conscience? As I sow those here, this conscience starts to grab 13.4 of Romans. All right, Senator Schumer, you want a battle? You got one. It's not between you and I. I'm going to honor you for the senator you are. But I'm going to tell you what God thinks about your BS crap, your Antichrist stuff, all three things that have a death penalty. There's one, there is, you got one foot on a banana peel and the other in the grave. And anybody who whispers blows on you, and you're out of here. You know, God loves you, and he sent me to tell you he loves you. Now repent for your touch. What's it going to be? Next week, about this time, God's going to visit you. And if you're still doing what you're doing right now, next week, it's over. You're gone. You're done. This is not between you and I, Senator. Honestly, he sent me to plead with you, turn. Be saved. God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to save your kids. But he can't because you are Antichrist to the max. Stop it. Stop trying to destroy God in the earth. You're actually declaring your own death warrant. I'm pleading with you. Please stop. I came as a friend. I don't know you. Get the hell out of here. All right. I'll come visit you in Arlington. I'll walk on your grave. Your choice, son. Not my issue. You imagine what the church looks like that walks in that authority. Because that's where you and I are going. That is how we face the evil of the last days. We face it with the authority of the judgment of the living God. We stand as Moses stood in Egypt. And guess who we win as a result? We provoke the Jew to jealousy because they all know what Moses did. When they see it manifest in your life and out of your words, man, they will catapult it into the kingdom through jealousy. Man. Hebrews 9. Verse 11, Christ came as high priest to good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He paid the price. <laughs> Goodbye. No blame, no shame, no guilt paid for. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What does that mean? That means when you tell me in Revelation chapter 11 that I'm going to walk as two witnesses, that I'm going to stop the rain. Oh, stop the rain. That I'm going to strike the earth with all plagues as often as I desire. That tells me, God, I can have a harvest out of D.C. because I can grind their economy to a halt. I can shut down their Mammonite perversion. I can shut down the flow of money that's paying them to go Antichrist. God, you put them in my hand for a harvest. So I'm going to go as a pastor. I'm going to go as an evangelist. I'm going to go as somebody who loves them. I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to be nasty. I'm going to be nice. and I'm going to plead with them to turn. But I'm going to tell them the truth. That's what God paid for you and I. We're going to harvest the nations. Smile at somebody and say, we are redeemed. It's all been paid for. Last statement, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Yes. Yes. Father, bless this people as only you can. Write your word on their heart, And now, Father, enable them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Make them victorious everywhere they go. Make them the head not the tail, above and not beneath. And let your double anointing settle on them in Jesus' name for these last days. These are the harvesters of cities and nations. We bless them right now. We empower them. We impart to them in the name of Jesus. Father, let them carry out the trash and drop it in a landfill that this nation might be saved. Lord, thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Go vote tomorrow if you haven't already voted. And then come tomorrow night and prepare to rejoice because of the red wave that's coming. How's that for stepping out on a limb in Jesus' name? God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you for coming tomorrow night at 7. We'll wind it up. Give somebody a hug or a handshake. Ah, wait a minute.